Good morning, Chapel Hill. We are going to dive back into the Bible again this morning as we do every Sunday. And so if you uh, do not have a Bible with you at this moment um, and you need one to follow along in, just go ahead and put your hand up. Our ushers have Bibles. They're coming around and they will give you one that you can use to follow along in. And if you're receiving one of those Bibles and you don't currently have a Bible of your own, just keep the one that you receive and take it with you. Um, Just a quick word. This is the start of the fall season, a new school year, all the rest of that stuff. We're seeing a another surge in new people here at Chapel Hill Church. So for those of you who are new or newer, um, I just want to encourage you, if you had not had a chance to meet yet, if we have not met, um, take a moment and come and introduce yourself to me. I would love to meet you. That um, is a, one of the most um, precious privileges of being the pastor of a church is being able to meet the congregation, meet the church family and get to know you just come up after a service someday or before a service, introduce yourself to me. Um, not today, because we have an annual meeting right after the service, so I got to jump right into that, but um, on any given Sunday, you can find me out by the doors after the service, and please just come and say hello and introduce yourself. I would love to meet you. All right, uh, we're going to start this morning with a little bit of audience participation, so I need your involvement in this. Are you ready? I have a question for you. The question is this. I want you to tell me Something that you do continuously, and I mean nonstop, 24-7, every second of every day. What is something that you do without interruption? You breathe. Yes, that's the obvious one, right? Even though, yep, we can say we hold our breath and that's not, we're not breathing. Um, there, it keeps going. There's oxygen being exchanged. What else? Blink. Live, your heart beats. Yes. Yes, what, what else? There, now listen, there aren't very many things. So I expected that like surge of, hey, I have the answer right off the bat. And then, um, there are, there are some things, but very few things, I think, that we do all the time. We, we hear all the time, don't we? It's something that we do. No matter what we're doing, there is still noise being received. There's just a few things we think we move Even if we're laying still, there's movement happening, but really there are very few things that we do constantly, nonstop, without putting effort into it. It just happens all of the time. Our lives are honestly mostly made up of things that we do for a while, but then we stop and we go do something else and we stop that thing and, and on and on it goes. It's not this one continuous thing that we're doing or these multiple continuous things that we're doing all the time. We make things happen. Things happen to us. Our circumstances change. Our surroundings change. Our thoughts and our actions change constantly. But this morning, I want to start a new series of messages about something that we're being asked to do continually, constantly, all the time. Let me show you what that is. It's found in a three-word verse in the Bible that carries a lot of power. Here's the verse, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, that's it. This is from a letter that Paul wrote to a church back in the first century, and at the end of his letter, Paul added a collection of instructions for the church. It was a short summary of some very weighty topics. He listed three things that God led him to challenge the church with. Those three things were to be happening all the time, not just at random times, not just at set times, but all the time. These were things that God wanted his church to be doing at all times. Paul told the church to rejoice 
always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. And then he adds a statement to these commands. Paul says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will for his church is that we rejoice always, we pray always, and we give thanks always in an ongoing, uninterrupted way. This is what we're to be doing. Now in this series, I'd like to focus on the middle command from Paul, pray without ceasing. Each one of these three could easily spark a whole series of sermons, uh, but I want to narrow our focus for a little while to prayer. I feel very strongly that this is what God has for Chapel Hill Church for this season. We're going to focus on prayer, and based on Paul's instruction regarding that prayer, I've entitled our series, Uninterrupted. Now, the past couple of series have focused on a specific part of the Bible, and we've worked our way through those sections of Scripture, sometimes verse by verse, like we just did with the first five chapters of Acts. This series is going to be a little bit different for a reason. Yes, we're going to stick with what the Bible has to say. Uh, The Word of God remains our roadmap, and the Holy Spirit remains our guide. That will always be the case, but based on Paul's very ambitious, ambitious instruction to pray without ceasing... We're going to need to look far beyond one specific book of the Bible and far beyond one specific example of prayer in the Bible. I think you may be surprised by how broad this topic really is. And so I'm going to lead us all over the place in the Bible, which I think is going to be very beneficial for us. Now, as we get started in this series, I definitely want to acknowledge one of the elephants in the room. This particular elephant is represented by the weight that's immediately cast upon us when we hear, or worse, when we're directly asked the question, how's your prayer life? There are a few questions that can drive us into a deep pit of guilt faster than this one. Prayer is one of the most obvious characteristics in the life of a believer, or at least prayer is one of the most obvious expectations in the life of a believer, And so when I've heard this question asked of me in the past, I've felt that weight of disappointment with self. I've pretty much always been able to answer with the response, I don't pray as much as I should. Now, if it makes you feel any better, a recent survey revealed that about 55% of Americans say that they pray at least once a day. And I'm well aware of the fact that this statistic may make some of us feel worse, not better. Prayer is a tricky thing. It's an easy way to judge the performance of a Christian, isn't it? It's an easy way to judge ourselves. And with our culture being what it is, when we see a problem like a lack of vibrancy in our prayer life, we're quick to seek solutions. Which means that there are many, many solutions to this problem available in all kinds of forms. We have access to hundreds of books, videos, apps, podcasts, teaching series, sermons, and much, much, much more on the subject of prayer. I have absolutely no intent to discount any of those resources. I'm going to use some of them myself in this series. I'm going to make some of them available to you. I'm going to promote opportunities to solve this problem right here in the ministry of this church. Um, For example, I'm 
Very excited about a new women's study that's starting that's specifically on the subject of prayer. Um, I've seen the context context of this content, excuse me, of that study, and great things are going to happen through it. They are. We have opportunities to practice prayer here at Chapel Hill Church. We have a weekly prayer letter that goes out to those who want to receive it. In that letter, we share specific prayer requests from members of our church family, and people pray. We talk about that every Sunday morning. Submit your prayer requests, and we will pray. Um, If you want to receive that letter, you can express that on your connection card or on our website that you'd like to get that. We have an emergency prayer chain that responds immediately when urgent needs arise. We have dedicated people praying weekly in this church, and I know they would warmly welcome others to join them. Uh, More on that further into this series. We have groups of people praying together regularly. I meet weekly with four brothers who have walked with me in this way for many years now. We pray as members of the staff, the elders pray, the worship team prays together before each service. I know of many people in this church family who have prayer partners that they pray with on a regular basis. And after the service on Sundays, this is something that we're restarting. We want to have people available to pray with you if you want to be blessed in that way or encouraged in that way, supported when you come on a Sunday morning. More on that to come as well. Prayer is happening here in this church, at Chapel Hill Church. It's happening in our personal lives, it's happening in families, it's happening in all kinds of ways. But we all know that there's always room to grow in our prayer life. And how do we know that? Now we know there's room for growth because we've been given by the Apostle Paul an exhortation to pray without ceasing. And if we're struggling to state honestly that we are praying without ceasing, then there's room to grow. I believe that we need to spend some time on this matter as a church because I believe that Paul wasn't just being dramatic in this three-word verse. I don't think he's asking us to do the impossible. But it certainly seems impossible, doesn't it? Clearly, Paul was not aware of all the demands placed on a Midwestern suburbanite living a normal Midwestern suburban life. Life was obviously very different back then. I mean, I doubt they even had Google calendars. How many of you remember the Franklin planners, (laughs) right? We've been at this for a while. This is not new and this is not impossible either. So if I'm going to attempt to walk us down this path together, I guess I'd better not just simply pressure you to make more room in your schedule for the activity of prayer. And here's more that I won't do. I'm not going to diminish the value and necessity of prayer just so that it doesn't bother us as much. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to make ease and convenience my guiding values when it comes to prayer. I'm not going to give you a formula. I'm not going to focus primarily on the how-to of prayer, although there will be many great suggestions that come up in this series. I'm going to wrestle with those three words that Paul wrote because I need to wrestle with those three words myself. I need to grow And honestly, I don't think I'm the only one who needs to wrestle with the instruction to pray without ceasing. And if you're one of those people that also needs to wrestle with this instruction, just give me a nod. This is a lot of people. 
So let's take this journey together and let's acknowledge that the journey does not lead to a place where we simply feel better about ourselves. It doesn't lead to a place where we look better to the people around us. It doesn't lead to a place where we'll be able to score ourselves higher than the people next to us on prayer. This journey leads to God. It leads to a closer, more personal experience of God. It leads to a deeper dependence on God. It leads to an experience of God's presence and power that has been his intent for us all along. It leads to a clearer sense of identity and a deeper sense of purpose. But at the core of it all is God. And so, church, ask him to meet you on this journey. Make him your destination, your goal. A few years back, I led this church through a study of the book of John. Uh, John 17 contains a record of a prayer that Jesus spoke for his disciples back then and now. That means us as well. We're not going to dissect that prayer this morning, but we are going to give our attention to something that has tremendous influence on the series that we're starting this morning. So turn to that prayer now in John chapter 17. John 17. There is a lot to learn from this prayer. Um, I have a feeling we'll come back to this at other points in the series as well. We'll come back to John 17, but here's what I want, what I want us to see this morning. Uh, let's read the first three verses together. This is what John wrote. When Jesus had spoken these words, he's talking about things from John 15 and 16. He, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they, may, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus was approaching the time of his sacrifice on the cross when he said this. And this is the intro, intro to what he needed to say to his father before that time arrived. Jesus makes his request clear in verse 3. He even brings definition to this eternal life that we talk about so much. Jesus said that the life he offers is centered around knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. The eternal life that we've received through Jesus is an eternal relationship that we have entered into, right? Nothing new there so far. Then go down to verse 20. Verses 20 and 21 say this. I do not ask for these only, for the disciples that he had while he was here, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus wanted us to be in him and in the Father. Jesus is speaking of, and he's asking for, the establishment of a union between us and him, between us and God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. The emphasis on that union is critical. Remember that. Now we'll look at verse 26 as well. This is what Jesus says in verse 26. 
I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. There's the in principle again. Jesus is expressing his desire for a close union with his bride. He desires to be so close to us that this union can only be described as Jesus being in us. Okay, we can see that Jesus desires a union with his people and this desire comes with some profound promises. Let's look at one of those now. At the end of his time with his disciples on earth, Jesus promises them that even though he's returning to his father, he will be with his followers always. He wasn't going to end that union he desired at the time of his return to heaven. He was going to create a way to be with his followers, to be in them always. God promises to never leave us or forsake us. This union that he desires with us is an eternal union that has already begun for those who have put their faith in Jesus. Let's talk about that union. We're talking about a relationship, obviously. There are two parties involved. In this case, those parties are us and God. In this union, this relationship, things happen. In this union, there is communication. One party speaks and the other listens. And then the other party also speaks and the first party listens as well. But the union goes beyond just speaking and listening. In that union, there is much that is shared. The two parties share thoughts, emotions, value, perspective, priorities, vision, Their union extends to every aspect of who they are. They become one. They are in each other. Well, if this is the union that Jesus desired between his church and him and his father, how is that supposed to even be possible? And this is where the Holy Spirit enters the picture. Among his many roles, it's the Holy Spirit who creates this union and makes it possible. And so as we've just come through a series focusing on the Holy Spirit, it seems to make perfect sense that we now talk about prayer. Now let me clarify what I just said because I just jumped from talking about our union with God to prayer. Here's where this series has to start. Our union with God is prayer. Yes, prayer includes us saying things to God. We speak and he listens. He invites us and teaches us to do that. And we'll see a lot of that instruction as we go. But prayer is also God speaking and we're the ones doing the listening. That's a little more challenging than the part where we do the talking. And prayer is also the sharing of thoughts, emotions, Values, perspective, priorities, vision, all of that. Prayer is our union with God in which there is much that we do and there is much that we simply are. There is a constant exchange going on. 
Being in God and having God in us creates a union that's described in the word prayer. It's an active union full of life. Jesus even stated in John 17 that the eternal life we've received is this union between us and God. So to pray without ceasing is only possible in the context of an eternal Ongoing, every second of every day, union. And that union is not solely based on us doing or saying things. Yes, there are things that we can do and say that God has instructed us on, but prayer is not limited to an act that we perform. It also involves a deep, intimate sharing and combining of our life with His our minds with his, our thoughts with his, our vision with his, our perspective and priorities with his. We share all of that. And so let's begin this series here. We live in a 24-7, 365 union with God the Father and Jesus Christ. And it's made possible through the gift of God's Holy Spirit who lives in us. God is with us and in us and we are with him and in him. That union, that fellowship, that relationship, that sharing, that reality of being in God is the core reality of prayer. Without an acknowledgement of that union, without that relationship, without that shared bond, prayer is little more than a religious ritual that we're expected to perform well at. Prayer has far too often been seen as something that is added to or interrupts life as it is right now on this earth. Let's flip that. Our union with God is an eternal, every second of every day union. It is continuous. It never ceases unless we allow interruptions. What is it that interrupts this union? Well, that's what we're going to start looking at next week. Meanwhile, spend this week contemplating the fact that God's desire for you is to be in a union with him that encompasses your whole life. Where we communicate back and forth and we share on the deepest level possible Our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, our priorities, our values, and everything else. That's eternal. And that's something that we can do without ceasing. And God will help us to learn to do that. So let's start by praying together um, as we move our way into this series. Will you bow with me now? And even as we pray in this setting, be conscious of the fact that we, as the bride of Christ, are in union with him right now in this moment. This union exists, this bond exists. Remember that as we come before him.
Father, it often amazes me that you have invited us into this union with you. That you have chosen to draw us close to yourself and you have drawn close to us. It is amazing to me that you desire an ongoing, never-ceasing relationship with flawed and frail human beings. We praise you for a love that is so deep, for an unconditional, perfect love that invites and welcomes us into this union, this relationship with you that is nonstop, that never ceases. So Father, as we launch into this series on the subject of prayer, which is something we know that you desire, God, just open our eyes so that we can see what you have for us. I pray for every one of us here that this union would be front and center, that we would would live more aware of the fact that we are in you and you are in us. Help us to constantly be striving for that point where we're sharing every aspect of our lives with you. We're not holding anything back. We're not allowing other things, external things, to interrupt that union. We're just entering in fully, wholly, completely surrendered to this union that we have with you. so that when we hear those words, pray without ceasing, we realize that this is possible. Because it's more than just us saying something. We want that deep sharing, that exchange that never stops. So Father, will you guide us there? Lord, in this series, teach us more about what it is to pray. Teach us to pray for each other. Teach us to lift each other's burdens up to you. Teach us to praise you and worship you in the context of our union with you. Lord, our lives depend on that union. praise you because it is your desire to be that close to us. You in us and us in you. So Lord, guide us along this path. We surrender ourselves individually and as a church family to you to allow you to do that work in us that reminds us that there is a union there. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. We commit this series to you, this time to you, this church to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.